awesome, bro. But dude, it's awesome. Man, we had a few events already. It's it's always a blessing hanging out with the dude, man. Dude, I, I'm just excited about your uh, your your appearance at the uh, All In event. Like that that event, I don't I don't know much about. I I mean, I follow Carlos and them. Obviously, um, we've we've talked on Facebook, but um, I don't know a lot about it. Tell the people about that event. Tell them what's uh, what's what's cracking there. I don't. I mean, it's this ain't a pitch. This I'm just genuinely curious. Um, you know, to learn a little bit more about it. Yeah, man. Yeah. So. The All In Freedom event is for most people that are wanting to get started into the business um, to learn about wholesaling and not only just wholesaling, but how to scale up a wholesaling business. So we're going to be talking about all things real estate. The lineup is insane, man. I, I follow all the guys on, on the lineup, like Chris the Shark is one of them. Donovan Ruffin, who's out there and DFW is one of them. Uh, man, I've been telling you, they're bringing in all kinds of people that are going to be sharing the stage that all have wholesaling businesses. So, I mean, a little bit of my background, guys, I, I run a full-blown wholesaling business here in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, you know, we got a cold call center here. We, we pretty much do everything that you can think of from recorded voicemail drops to bandit signs to door knocking. And, uh, you know, we're all about marketing, man. Marketing, 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 man. That's all we do here. So we are a wholesale investment company. So what we do primarily is find wholesale houses. But to scale up to this level to where you can do deals consecutively, and not just consecutively, but create a business out of it where you can leverage your time, leverage your team, and show other people how they can get involved in the business. It, it, it's, a, it's not something that happens overnight, man. This has been a five-year five project for me. So, um, you know, I, I come from a different type of background. I, I talked about it before, guys, but I used to sell a lot of pot, and uh, it was on a large scale, you know what I mean? And this is as well. Like how much weed? Like my dad got busted with 500 pounds <laughs> in like 72. And it's uh, a lot of pounds. You know, my dad also exaggerates a lot. So it might have been like five pounds. You know what I mean? But really 500 pounds in 72 is really only five pounds. So it's well, like, yeah, five pounds is a lot. Sentence. <laughs> you know what? 500 pounds in 72 is like a death sentence, bro. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he'd be like in jail with the Wolf of Wall Street or whatever. Well, you know, <laughs> you know man. Weed has like always been in my life, bro. Like, um, like since I was a kid, my dad, uh, he used to smuggle drugs and I was born in Cleveland. And, uh, when, when, uh, when he had got caught in San Antonio, he met my mom. And before he went to prison, you know, they had me. And then I came in and my dad served about five years. Lost Quentin. Quentin, we Call lost him. Back. Call him back. He's back. Oh, he's back. He's back. Oh. <laughs> all in baby when you're all in you gotta just be all in so anyway your dad uh was a was a, you guys both of your dads were smug drug smugglers yeah yeah man yeah so my real dad was like that and then uh my stepdad that came after him was also like that oh dang. my stepdad was way more kind man my, my stepdad was way different than my father my father was was evil bro so i mean uh you know i used to get my ass whooped for just eating cereal bro <laughs> like literally he what? would put the cereal where it was and if i got into it i was gonna get my ass wolf man damn so it was, it was... Only, only the lucky charms like could you get into the uh the, the cereals <laughs> like the sugar-free cereal you were only like, allowed in the checks protective of like i didn't hear that <laughs> you're good my dad would like like the the good cereal he was real protective of but the shitty cereal you know, he had to add sugar to it. My dad wasn't, he didn't give a shit how much he ate. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, it, it was like that, but he was also, my dad was also a meth addict, you know what I mean? So, uh, he, he had, uh, like, uh, multiple personalities delusional all of the time. Uh, you know, just, I, I think I have some good memories and, but mostly bad, you know what I mean? But after my mom left him, I was 12 years old. And then uh, I jumped straight into the marijuana game at 13 because my, my stepdad that my mother, my mother got remarried and she, she has her husband who's been my stepdad this entire time. He's the best thing that ever happened to my mom. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of, uh, he, he would work full time and he would leave me at the house and at the house, he would teach me how to weigh the shit out. So I learned know all about it. I learned product. <laughs> I learned accountability. I learned how to measure. I learned how to, you know, uh, distribute and, you know, a, a dime, a, a nickel costs uh, what, what it's like five bucks at the time, 2.5 grams, a dime's five grams, uh, 20 sack. You're looking at 10 grams, a half ounce, 14 grams, ounce, 28, so on and so forth. 112 quarter pound, 224 half pound, 448 full pound. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not trying to educate you guys on how to sell pot. I promise. <laughs> that definitely but, helps. But, I mean, mom. But, you know, it, it started out like that. And, you know, after I learned about product distribution, um, I, I started studying different things. Right. And all the way up until I was about 19 and 20, 19, 20, I took it on a larger scale. And you were asking about what I would do every single month. And. I would move anywhere between 25 to 50 pounds every single month, man. And I would traffic that shit from Long Beach, California, all the way to Texas. So you were you were doing like high-end weed. Because here's, I mean, look, I worked in the oil field. So we had a whole bunch of people. Emory, you're going to have to ride that. You guys were dude. smoking some dog shit in the oil field, I bet. No, no, <laughs> check this out. Check this out. So, look, no offense to the oil field people. No, 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 no. Like, there, I, I can tell you the guy's name. His name was Omar. I won't mention his last name, but he was my driller, so he's my boss. And we brought a rig up from South Texas, and when the rig would come through the checkpoint of, of South Texas, Emory, baby, will you go get go get Jacob to do that for you? So when when the, the rig would come through the checkpoint, they wouldn't, since it's a permanent load, they wouldn't inspect it. So he shoved, I don't know how much weed and cocaine into the mud pumps to get it through the checkpoints because everywhere down south at 70, within 75 miles of the border, there's a checkpoint. So anyways, he brought, he brought, I don't know how many through and he was telling us about it. And, you know, of course, whenever you're talking to a guy, everybody's always the coolest and the best back in their hometown. When you work in the oil field, everybody's always that person. You know what I mean? But him... We're sitting there one day, working. All of a sudden, a bunch of black SUVs pull up on location, and the U.S. Marshals get out and, and arrest this guy. And uh, they'd found a, a, a dead body in his truck Whoa. in Mexico. And I was like, "All right, uh, Omar was telling us the truth about all of his, <laughs> all of his, all because he would tell us how like they would, they would put product into PlayStation. It was PlayStation Two at the time boxes in eighteen wheelers." And load it up, okay? And then they would get some bum to, like, put five pounds in his trunk and say, hey, we're going to pay you, you know, two grand to take this five pounds through. Tell their boys at the at the uh, Border Patrol the car to look for so they could get that bust. And the whole time they're bringing in, you know, thousands of pounds through an 18-wheeler. And, and that was kind of the game he played. And, of course, when you heard all this out loud, you're like, yeah, you know, me too, me too, you know. Me, me too, way. Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm moving weight too. But he, I mean, he would tell us stories all the time about it. And then when the, when the DEA arrested him at our rig, we were like, 
all right, uh, is he going to come back and kill us now? Because he, he told us, like, his whole business. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jeez. I feel like I know everything. So, yeah, that that was pretty crazy. But um, he one time he, he talked me into uh, driving down to Corpus and picking up um, some weed for him and bringing it back. And it was, like, literally a trash bag, this entire black trash bag. And – Fat Mario was the guy that I met at a karaoke bar. Fat Mario! His name was Fat Mario. <laughs> <laughs> and so we brought that back. My girlfriend at the time, Laura Ford, uh, we got pulled over and the whole truck smelled like weed. And uh, I was like, all right, this is it. We're getting a hotel. We're not driving anymore. I had a license plate light out. So almost got busted on my first and only haul of, um, of weed. And then we brought it back and the guy that was supposed to get it didn't get it from us. So we gave it to another buddy and he made hash out of it. And then we sold that. Maybe we should just start a, a drug podcast. <laughs> you know, these are beginning days of, of uh, building those entrepreneur, the entrepreneurship characteristics, right? So, I mean, right. Uh, even as a kid, I knew that if I, I could sell and I could nickel and dime and I could stuff my shoes full of pot and take it to school and do it, or I can build it into a business, you know, and uh, it was around 18 years old. I had overdosed on, on a hardcore dose of cocaine and, uh, it hospitalized me to a point where I thought I was going to die and I was suicidal at the time. That's pretty much when all that happened. Um, afterwards, I lost my ability to smoke pot, bro. So I don't smoke as heavy as I used to, man. Like if anything, my wife, she'll, she'll talk me into like a hit or something like that. We're in Texas, so I can't talk about this entirely. <laughs> you know when you're in California. When, when I'm in California, right, she'll talk me into a hit of some dope ass weed and It'll put me on my ass, man. So I'm a complete pussy when it comes to it. But one of the things that I learned from the 10 crack commandments is you never get high on your own supply. Right. <laughs> so at that point, it was like we scale up. So, uh, you know, I, it started off like I would I would buy swag and then from swag, I grew it into hydroponic shit. And then from the hydroponic shit, it was a way different game because you're dealing with quantity over qu uh, quantity. So, I mean, that's one thing I didn't like about smuggling swag was. One, the only way that I'm going to get it here is if I pass Mexico. And if I go through Mexico, it's very, very rare that I'm going to actually make it here with the amount of stuff that I'm trying to bring here. With the amount of people that would have to get paid off for me to not get in trouble, it would be way too expensive. So mm -hmm. I would rather go somewhere where it's actually legal, find it at a wholesale price, find a grower, and uh, that grower would supply me with what I'm trying to get. So you go to Long Beach, California, you, you'll get pounds of pot for about $900 a piece. In the transportation fees, I would pay about $1,000 per pound to my driver. And when it gets to Texas, it's worth about five to six grand. And this was in 29 or 2010. It was it was somewhere in between this time. So, you know, it was advantageous because I would double my money, spend two grand to get it over here, and then sell it for $4,500 to $5,000 at a wholesale price. Especially if I you can sell the whole bag at one time. Well, yeah, it's funny because if you can put the whole bag at one time, then it's done right away. Boom, 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 yep. boom. You find those people and then they can distribute it out to their like crackhead homies. You just need yep. the one big sale. I get it. Exactly. Exactly. So I, when I want to bring as soon as I would bring it here, you know, the value of it would shoot straight to the to the roof. And then after that, I would offload it at a wholesale price. So we'd be selling them about anywhere between four thousand to forty five hundred. Market price for a single bow in 2009 in San Antonio, Texas, was about six grand. And, um, you know, when I would offload it for that amount of money, uh, I would still make double my cash and then I could go back and get another one. So it was like that. We would bring it here through 18 wheelers, truck drivers. We would bring it in through cars that were customized to hold that amount of bud. 
I mean, bro, you've ever gone through the border, which I'm pretty damn sure Corey has. Oh, I yeah. doubt they've ever checked your car. You know what I'm saying? They, they did one time, and it, it was the shittiest experience of my life. They took all the because I was I was in the old field, so I had all my work clothes, and they were all dirty. And they took them out, threw them on the side, like you know, you pull off to the side of the checkpoint. And they took them out on the ground. It was raining, and then when they got done running the dog through it, that was it. I had to pick all my stuff up that they had just strolled about that was in trash bags that they ripped the trash bags open. I didn't have any new trash bags, so I had to put all my dirty clothes in the back seat of my truck and drive off. And the way that we would get by the dogs, and which was so easy, they would never even want to smell the car, is by we we would use a freezer bag to 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 conceal it. Vacuum sealed. Throw ammonia over that freezer Ooh. bag, and then another freezer bag over it, and then more ammonia. A dog will catch that, and they'll 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 smell it and not even want to come anywhere near it. So that was one of our ways of getting around that, man. Damn. And again, I'm not trying to teach anybody watching this how to smuggle marijuana. Well, I, like I was about to say, Omar, Omar, um, he would do, like like you said, the weed he would do one way, but the but the cocaine he would, you know, he would always try to talk me into my address so he could FedEx me something. And I was like, nah, I'm cool. I'm cool. I don't need that on my I don't need that on my soul. <laughs> but he, he he literally had a guy that would work at worked at FedEx that certain packages that come in, whether it's a computer monitor, I think he said it was something with computer devices, they couldn't run through the x-ray machine. So it would have to be inspected by a person. And he had a boy that worked in there that would that whenever it was his shift to inspect, they would have a crackhead, pay a crackhead twenty bucks to take a key of Coke or something in there. Mark it as a computer monitor, you know, and it's Velox. And he would have to open and sign off on the inspection, close it back up, and then they would FedEx it. And they would do this at, at, at a pretty high level. So when I, at the time when he was telling me all this, I was like, whatever, dude, you're just, you're lying. And then you hear about a FedEx package getting delivered in the wrong place in Ohio. And it being a whole bunch oh. of cocaine. I'm like, <laughs> oh my right, God. You know, that, you know you, the more the more I think back to my days of hanging out with Omar, uh, the more I realize Omar was a G. He used to tell us he only worked on the rig for tax purposes, which I thought was just insane. I was like, "What? I don't I don't get that." Now I kind of get it. He I put said, the golden nugget on the screen when you said Omar was a G, just so everyone knows that's your that's your golden <laughs> nugget for that for that part of the show. <laughs> working in the wolf field, you meet some of the most creative people ever. There was a dude. This is how dumb people in the wolf field were. There was a guy that figured out that you could take oven cleaner, take a $1 bill, take oven cleaner, and take the ink off of a $1 bill. And this was back before they had the good 100, the green 100, the blue 100, you know what I mean, with the with the indigo. And he would take a Xerox copier, front and back copy of a $100 bill onto the paper from a $1 bill. And he would do that. And he would come to work with, you know, 1000 bucks. So they came, up with this bright, they came up with this bright idea that they wanted to print these out and, and buy a truck. But they knew that if they took the, the $100 bills, the counterfeit $100 bills, to a, to a car dealership, it would throw up a red flag. So how did they want to do it? They decided to go to a drug dealer and buy a massive amount of drugs with counterfeit money and then take the drugs and sell them, use the money they got from selling drugs to buy a truck, which ended up with them – not only pissing off the drug dealers, which beat them up, planted the drugs on them, and the counterfeit money. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I the police department knock on their door. So, I mean, these guys ended up in prison. But but when they were just, you know, and I was there, I, I was a uh, 
school pusher at the time when these and they were kids they were I, I mean i was a kid too i was 23 but they were like 18 19 doing this and then they came to work beat up and the next thing i know they're they're in jail for counterfeit money and drugs mm. and and well, but when they were doing a thousand dollars at a time, they were they were flying under the radar. But once they once they tried to scale their business, they uh, they they fell flat on their face. But it, it's funny how this hustler mentality that not only in the oil field where people are doing you know not necessarily legal things, but it's your upbringing, it's your environment. You you get around you know that environment. It's what's available to you, so you move in that direction. You know what I mean? You want to you want to do those things. Like for me, I had the opportunity to go to work in the oil field, and I realized early on that. A lot of people in Oldfield drank and did drugs, and if I didn't, I could probably get there, you know, move up in the ranks. So I didn't drink or do drugs, and I, and I passed them all. Um, but the hustle mentality was there. You, you still wanted to work hard. You still wanted to do all that. The environment that I was in could have shaped me into a really different person. You know what I mean? If I would have took the bait from Omar, if I would have took the bait from these kids and, and got into any of those businesses, I'd have, I'd have been shit canned too. But for you, you know, your environment kind of shaped a different hustle. But here we are in the exact same place making legal money in real estate. And, and you know, I know your business. You did 100 deals last year or 97. I don't remember. what. How many did you do last year? 101, man. 101. I already compiled the huts for this fucking podcast in case y'all didn't get that. Damn. That's the when people ask me about Q, I'm like, do y'all not see the dude's Facebook? He he posted every time. Like he makes a post about it. He goes out and talks to sellers on video. It the people that are claiming 30, 40, 100 deals a month, Carlos does massive amounts of deals, but you get to sit in on his meeting with him because he walks around on Instagram live at their at their at their meeting. He's got a, a staff of 30 people standing behind him to do how many deals a month do you think Carlos does? I mean, he did 497 in one year. Do what? Yeah, man. That, that's insane, bro. But that, that's that multiple marketing type thing. You know, like uh, like for me, I'm only in San Antonio and Houston, and I, I dabble in Dallas and in, in DFW a little bit, but nothing crazy. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, man, that, that's like broad right there. I'm building into that slowly, but I can't say that I'm anywhere near Carlos's level. And I'm going to say that very humbly. Well, Carlos and them did a did an interview on Propelio the other day where they they broke down exactly who to hire first. They brought in a position called a jack that just catches the the leads that are falling through. They built a system around it, and they're very open and transparent about that system. Um, you know, I love that too. I think that's probably the greatest characteristic of the guy. So I mean, uh, not a lot of people give like that. Everybody wants you to pay that five ten grand for that seminar to learn how to do just that when it's like right. not even necessary. And well, and and even if the guy does want to charge five or ten grand now, you can see that it's going to be worth it because look at what yeah. he's doing every day. You know what yes. I mean? It, the people that go out and claim they do X number of deals, a um, hundred deals a month, being the most outrageous claim I've ever heard, um, they they don't show you anything. They they don't they don't show you their back end office. They don't show you <laughs> who the hell said that they did a hundred in one month. <laughs> Um, I mean, even I'll say that's pretty high. Uh, it, he's he's uh, there's a podcast interview of him on here admitting that he doesn't do a hundred a month, but he literally one screenshot said he did a hundred a month, and another screenshot he said he averaged seventeen thousand dollars net. So you do that math, that's forty two million dollars in a year. Why are you trying to sell me a five thousand dollar education course? You just made forty two mil. Does his name rhyme with Spice McSinley? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Damn. What, like, I, I'm, 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 I'm not the best mathematician, but when you put that much information on the internet, you just gave. You could have told people you were doing, you were acquisitions guy for whatever team it was, and that you mastered cold calling, and they still would have bought your five thousand dollar product. You didn't have to go with the outlandish claim and pay somebody to endorse you. So, to, to you know, it's it, it's it's a bad strategy. It, Gary V talks about it all the time. I mean, you saw him at uh at at Max Maxwell's event. Yep. Make it till you make it is done. No, it and is. that's why you never hear me uh, claiming like we haven't closed that deal yet. Like we got the lead, we got the appointment, but we haven't closed that deal yet. So Pat's still got zero deals. <laughs> Honestly, dude, I, I love that. I'm hiring a guy right now that plays the guitar specifically because I saw you play the guitar. Right. Well, like, there you go. In my office today. And like I'm telling you, man, I think that that's a closer right there, bro. I mean, it, it's the skill, dude. It's I just, love Pat Hill, bro. I'm it's a good right strategy. <laughs> well, and it's funny you guys bring that up, too, because it's like, man, you know, I had a similar experience with entrepreneurship, too, where I used to work at this place in St. Louis called Emo's Pizza. Right. Emo's Pizza is like the famous th thin crust St. Louis style pizza place. And I remember I worked like a whole month and I made like four hundred dollars. Right. Then I like sang at the bar with my band one weekend and each person in the band made like two hundred and thirty dollars for playing music for one night. And I was like, wait a minute, dude, if I just do two shows a month. I can make the same amount of money as I make working all month long at the pizza joint. So that's what I started doing. <laughs> I bought my own shit with that 200 or $600 and we started doing our own shows. And that was kind of like, I did that for almost 20 years playing shows at bars until I decided I wasn't going to smoke weed and drink anymore. And then I, st I, I started doing this, you know, <laughs> Because if you know, you're if you're not smoking weed and drinking and you're at the bar every night, then I mean, come on, dude. I mean, I'm gonna tell you that I follow you since. Uh, That's not the first time I've heard I'm too loud either. Shannon told me I'm too loud. That's I've heard that my whole life, Shannon. You know, I, I, like, Pat, I, I'm telling you, man. I've been following you since since uh, since you started doing stuff with Corey and uh, to see where you come from. Uh, I remember you were already producing all of this stuff and then having to go to. I think you were telling me Napa. And uh, then have to drop that and now come to Texas. Bro, uh, I just know that God's putting things in your way right now that he knows that, that there's something that's going to happen for you very soon. I don't know exactly what it is, but you're moving in this direction and there's so much good shit that's happening right now. Right. I can't imagine that your business is going to shoot up, bro, especially if you've been doing this for 20 years, man. You know, I saw this dope ass thing the other day and it was uh, Les Brown, actually where he was talking about the Chinese bamboo tree, right? And the Chinese bamboo tree, it, it grows in the Southeast and it takes five years of watering and planting before it ever breaks the ground, right? right? And once it breaks the ground, within literally five weeks, it shoots up like, I don't know, I think like, uh, like, like 15, 20 feet in the air, right? And then he, he asks if the question is, 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 does the Chinese bamboo tree grow in five years or five weeks, right? right. And the and the answer to that was five years. So, I mean, you've been watering this dream of yours for so long, bro, 
And I already know that it's going to sprout like any day now. And I'm super excited about it. It's already blowing up, bro. So, I mean, I'd love to have you at my next event playing the guitar on stage, bro. And uh, yeah, man, just wanted to throw that out there because you're a huge inspiration. Thanks, dude. Yeah. And it's just, it's all part of the journey. It's like Corey and I were talking yesterday about like computer skills and this and that, like, Dude, if, if I wanted to get rich at 22 or 23, I definitely wouldn't have gone into the music business producing shows for people. You know, I would have gotten a computer engineering job in Silicon Valley or something. But I, I decided that that wasn't for me. You know what I mean? Um, there, there's a dude on here, Tenacious. We were working on rap songs in U-City, you know, 15 years ago. You know, I mean, it's just like I've worked with so many people and, and done this for so long that there is no turning back now. So my personality is not going to mess with everybody. You know, it's going to get to a point sometimes where people get what they want out of you. And then once they can't get any more out of you, then, then you've run your course with that person. You know what I mean? Or those people. And you can pretty much look at my Facebook and see when those instances were. (laughs) Right. (laughs) To keep it as professional as possible. And, and, and throughout this transition of me, not singing in the corner of the bar and trying to be a business owner and using my skills to really bring people some value, there's always going to be some kickback. There's going to be people, like I said, they get what they want, they get their little song, they get their little podcast, and then they don't need you anymore. So then what, then what do you do? You can either stay around, you can either stay around and be miserable around those people, or you can pack up your shit and go around people that are going to support you. And that's what happened with me moving to Dallas. It was almost inevitable from September. I pushed so hard for people in California to accept the Pat Hilton thing. And to be completely honest, none of them ever did except for one bar uh, place called Hennessy's. Everybody else pretty much took a shit on Pat Hilton. Oh, my God. So, you know, I don't need need that shit to be successful. So I relocated to put myself in a position around all these people that do want my service and that do value me and that do want me to uh, stream with them online every month. And here we are. You know what I'm saying? And like you said, that's God's plan. That that wasn't up to me. Well, let's let's get some let's I, I've got since we me and Pat were having this conversation this morning. Quentin, how when you got started on YouTube, um, what was, what was the reason that you made that shift to YouTube? I mean, your content. Yeah. We're really interested know, in footage. doing that with our stuff now too. Yeah. Like, like, you know, getting to be around Max Maxwell for this long, I realized that I'd gone short on the game. Now you did a great job of documenting your journey from the beginning to the end. Um, well, not the end, but wherever we're at now, the middle, the first quarter, whatever it is, you, we're, we're always constantly documenting. We talked about that shithead that stole some equipment from you that was using meth. You know, he was doing some video and some editing for you. And, you know, I told Pat probably three or four months ago, I'm like, hey, man, look at Quentin's look at look at the wholesaling houses ground zero promo video. I want to be able to make that quality. And Pat's like, oh, I can I can do that or we can hire this guy to do it. And then he reached out to the person we won't name and you know, get some pointers and stuff like that. But you made that decision. What went into making that decision? Like, were you like, man, if I get this content on YouTube, YouTube's going to pay me money, obviously. You know what I mean? Everybody knows that that could happen. But, you know, I can get more private money. I can get more deals. What What was what was the driving force behind that? And then how did you, you know, I mean, how much capital have you invested into it? What, what does that look like? I mean, I think a lot of people think 
you know, I'll, I'll just shoot a video and it'll show up on the internet and everybody will yeah. love it. And that's it. You know what I mean? Like, like that, but that it's not that easy. I, I honestly, the way it started was, uh, um, so I have a mentor here in San Antonio. He's a super cool guy. It's funny how our lives got intertwined. So just like a quick backstory on how I met my mentor. Uh, let's go back 40 years. In 1960, after the uh, Vietnam War and everything like that happened, um, <clears throat> my grandfather had gotten out of the Marines. And my grandfather, he, he, was, he did three tours in Vietnam. Went back and forth, man, and back and forth. And he was one of the last battalions to come home. And uh, there's a statue of my grandpa downtown. My grandpa started working at the courthouse, and there was a man there that was an attorney that would uh, kind of issue my grandfather the work that he needed to do during the day. This man went on to create. Uh, so first off, actually, my grandpa got caught smoking pot on a plea deal because back then any form of marijuana, any amount was uh, was considered a felony. And this goes back to that thing where I told you that weed's kind of always been in my life and some sort of blessing, bro. And uh my grandfather facing a 10-year sentence for less than a joint of, of weed, um, he got a plea deal to do five years of felony probation, and he was to work for this attorney um, who was creating the first title company that would ever exist in the United States of America. That title company is called, it was then called the first American title, and uh, they, they dropped the the. And it's an internet. It's an international title company. It's all over. There's probably a first American title there in, in Dallas. And uh, yeah, man, uh, that's how my grandfather met this man. Uh, his grandson, that man who saved my grandpa, his grandson is my private money. He's my funding partner. He's my mentor. And he teaches me everything that, that I've ever wanted to learn about business. That's dope. So as far as scaling up, it's been amazing. Right. But he told me something that's very, very important. And uh, he's not all like this with the whole, like, in 2019, everybody's doing social media, right? right? My guy's not like this, but he's very big on relationships. You know what I mean? Like, I made it a, a fucking goal to captivate a relationship with Pat Hilton the first day I met him. I made it a goal in my life to, to, to meet Corey Thompson and leave him with a good enough impression to even want to fucking talk to me. You know what I'm saying? And he said, Quentin, it's not who you know. And I'm going to tell you this because it's true. I met Arnold Schwarzenegger last year for, for 15 seconds. I got to talk to him and it cost me $1,700 to get a photo with him. I know who Arnold Schwarzenegger is. Do you think I can call him up right now and go and hang out with that fucking dude? No, he will not remember me. Right. But it's who you know. It's who you convince to want to know you. Right. And uh, I, I was like, man, you know, that concept as, as, as old as that is applies to what everything is right now. If I can show everybody how they can become wealthy, how they can scale their businesses up, if I can leave an impression on somebody that's real as fuck enough for them to want to know me, I know I'm doing something right. So it's not who you know, it's who you can who you can convince to want to know you. And that's the success in life. So the YouTube channel spawned from that. The, uh, the Twitter handle spawned from that. The IG stuff spawned from that. It started off with Instagram. And then from Instagram, I started just documenting what I was doing, man. And it's been a journey. It's definitely not a cheap one. You know, I have I have my camera guy on a salary right now. He's getting paid forty five thousand dollars a year, and all he does is produce content for me. And that's so, a big so expense. Does he does he edit the videos and do all that too, or does he just shoot the footage? Because, you know, for me, I felt like you know I just bust out myself 
Uh-oh, Quentin's gone again. He'll be back. I uh, bust out my cell phone. <laughs> there he is. I, I, my phone's blowing up. Yeah, I'm on a cell phone. Sorry. I do it on a group. You know, I do it in the group, so it's kind of – I did that because I didn't want my sellers to find me because I couldn't afford to, to blow a lead because they get out on the internet somewhere and find Corey Thompson talking about making money and realize I don't want to do business with this guy. You know what I mean? So for me, for me um, – you know, I never, I, I don't, I guess I kind of undershot what it was going to be. I didn't know that people were interested. I didn't know that it would grow into a group of 10,000 people. I didn't know that until I started meeting people that I was having such an impact, you know what I mean? And then it was like, wow, you know, I went to a RJ Bates golf tournament was the first time that I realized people actually wanted to meet me and shake my hand. Like everybody already knew who I was when I got there. And I was like, well, how, how do y'all know me? And they're like, Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. What do you mean? I'm in your group. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, okay. But at that time, the group was 3,000 people. And it was mainly Dallas people. Now it's 10,000 people. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of interesting. At Max, Maxwell's event, I'm sure you had the same thing. You know, people were just wanting to meet that had seen a video that I'd done or interview that I'd done or heard a piece of our story. Um, I mean, I feel like y'all's content, yours and Max's, far and above what what mine is, and then made me want to make the investment. Me and Pat have been going back and forth about this over and over and over again. I'm like, man, I really I want to hire a a a videographer, but at the same time, I mean, right down here in the office, I need to hire like three other people. Right. I mean, he's got, got apartments to lease out. Yeah, I got twenty one thousand dollars a month in vacancies right now. I need a I need a two hundred thousand dollar draw against some equity on some apartments we just bought. Um, Got to get the apartments we bought in San Antonio refied, and we're having I don't want to say banking issues, but our bank will not recognize that four hundred thousand dollar assignment fee we paid as a cost of goods sold. So they'll only give us credit for the eight hundred thousand dollar purchase price. And the gurus are out there, and I'm like, man, where's this information? You know what I mean? Where the hell? You know, because as I trudge through this business, that you know, could a mentor tell me not to pay a four hundred thousand dollar assignment? Maybe, but then I wouldn't have got the deal. So what? What's what's the out? Well, now we're going to a non-recourse lender. We're pulling our credit partner to get it, to get that fund across the, to get that loan across the board. We're having to start new entities as an onboarding entity to to shift some of the cost off of the refinance entity. There's all these things that. I never see anybody make a status about, you know what I mean? And it's hard for me to go to, to the company and say, Oh, you know, I really need 45,000 a year to, to pay a videographer. Cause I think it'll do us a lot of good in business. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we could hire a bookkeeper for that. Um, I think we'd rather have a bookkeeper. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. True. So I, I'm telling you, man, I make no money off of the content that I produce. Uh, it's not, it, I don't even know why I'm doing it yet. I just had one of those like field of dreams moment where I woke up in the morning and fucking God was like, if you build it, they will come. It's Wayne's world. It's Wayne's world. If you book them, they will come. That's what I always say. (laughs) You know, I I don't even really know, man. I I don't know what it is, brother, but I'm just going to, I'm going to do it and I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to hope that, that God's favor is strong with me. And this whole shit comes full circle someday, somehow, some way, you know what I mean? And the only thing I do is go into that, but, uh, for me to outsource that was very important because my real estate business takes up literally all my time, dude. And you're at a point right now where I'm damn sure your DMs are flooded with people who just want to pick your brain, right? I'd rather just throw it all out there. You don't need to pick my brain anymore because I've said it a million times. You know what I'm saying? No, it's out so there. 
I can delegate that. <laughs> well, I, and, uh, I, when Facebook offered me the paid Facebook group, I was like, this is a no brainer for me because if I get a hundred people in this group, that that's the, that's the capital I need to get that videographer. You know what I mean? If I get a hundred people in the group, there, there's the capital I need. And what would, what would that look like? You know, this weekend we're going out to a mobile home park lead that I, that we have, um, You guys' phones are just blowing up. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm trying to get these people to stop talking and stop calling me. But what what I'm going to do within that paid Facebook group, at least from my end, is is I'm going to evaluate deals with people every weekend. If you're in the group, if you're in the paid group, you can come, show up. I'll whiteboard it. And we're not in a position to buy right now, but I'm going to negotiate on this part That's a cool. zero down seller finance um, purchase. And I'm going to pass it off to the person that wants it. You know what I mean? Like, hey, do you want to buy this mobile home park? Yes. I negotiated a zero down deal. All you got to do is close on it and have cash reserves. And I'll help you get it up to speed. And that's what I'm going to do through my paid Facebook group. And the paid Facebook group I'm going to use to to pay the $45,000 a year um, videographer that you, that you pay for out of wholesaling. I, to me, if it was just me, you know what I mean? If I didn't have, you know, three or four other business partners, it would be an easy decision if we were our main focus was wholesaling, but having a property management company, um, I can go up and down a list of, of how difficult that is, um, what it looks like, you know, turning over a stigmatized property where you've got a property where the crystal methane has been living there forever. Now you got to kick that element out and raise rent. You got to convince the community to, to embrace the new of the, um, but you can't really, you know, I would say this, anybody that's going to go in and rehab an apartment complex, don't even fucking worry about the inside. Just get the Hollywood side done. Just get the outside done because the outside is what everybody sees when they pull up and what lets them know it's been different. Most everybody that pulls up to the complex has never been inside of one, so they don't know that it's the exact same product on the inside. And now you're just charging them $300 a month or more for rent. So um, there's there's all kinds of stuff that I could I could, I could could do a I don't, I don't even know. Like I, I could give a whole speech on the, the growing pains of going from 30 units to 300. Um, but right now know. I'm working on syndicating myself into a 268 unit apartment complex out in Lubbock, Texas. So, uh, right now it's at like an 83% occupancy. RJ Bates is actually my partner on this one and him and I are kind of taking it down together. We're looking at what we can do to, uh, raise rent and what value add that we can have. Cause right now as it stands, it's all bills paid and we're losing money. That light bill is taken away from what you could make on your cap rate, and it, it's just stupid, bro. So uh, I, I completely understand, man. I run, like I said, like the content stuff, it, it's awesome, but your, your business is more important. You know what I mean? The content shit could die tomorrow, and none of it would matter because you still got your business going. And uh, wow. my goal this year is to put out as much content as I can and then slow down on it next year, cut salary in half, and then start hiring out for jobs. So, I mean, uh, we I have all my equipment, right? But it all got sadly stolen. Um, but all my equipment is also another business. We we do all the photos for listings here in San Antonio. So I do drone footage. We do uh, cameras. We, we, we take photos of houses for people. And that right there brings in about maybe five to ten grand a month with just photos from other realtors and investors. That That's I've awesome. So you That's got a good idea. Let's put the gold here. nugget on the screen for that, Pat. Yeah, let's That's, get the gold nugget gold. up for that for my boy's salary Boom. you know what i'm saying so the more jobs that we take on the, the better because then i don't have to worry about paying it out over the year 
I've always been about that, man, in delegation. Whenever it comes to like um, creating systems, like that, that's always been me, man, especially in those times back then when, when the game was different. But it's all the same shit, right? Instead of going to the fucking grower to buy cheap-ass weed, I went to the fucking courthouse to buy cheap-ass leads. You know what I'm saying? That's it. And instead of figuring out how to buy from wholesalers and pay from other wholesalers assignment fees to flip houses and do the deal, I fucking just went straight to the the, the fucking the, the, the golden grail of it, a.k.a. the courthouse, the tax office, and I pull all my data from there, and then we, we use that to wholesale those deals. So yeah, there, there's benefits to everything when it comes to delegation, man. And I can't say that this shit happened overnight, bro, but definitely the the media stuff has been a whole adventure, and I can't even believe it's blowing up, man. And it's it's super awesome. I'm very humbled at the amount of people that that follow uh, both of our journeys. To be honest, man, because even with without the production value, whatever that shit is, brother, you still got killer content, man. So um, yeah, I agree. The information and the value, uh, the flashiness is cute. But the information and the value is better. I mean, the videos that I've done that have gotten 120,000 views were never the ones that looked the best. They're the ones where the guitar's out of tune and I'm being an asshole. <laughs> they, just, they just are. It's the weirdest thing to me. The ones where I played really well and it looked pretty good and this and that, those ones aren't the ones that got the most hits. Like, I wrote this St. Louis Blues song and like, what, what, whatever it was, 2011 or whatever, we got eliminated by the Sharks. And this, we had to play the Sharks again in the same series this year. But that video got so many more views because it just came out at the right time. And it was funny. And it was entertaining. And it had boobs in it. And it had boobs in it. Yeah. But I agree with that. It's it's the content. It's it's entertainment, engagement. I mean, that's that's the two keys, man. Is it entertaining and is it engaging with whatever you're trying to do? You know, when you're walking across the bridge and you're like, yo, what's up, y'all? This is wholesaling ground zero. I'm like, yeah, it's entertaining. There's an entertainment value to that production style. You know what I mean? Well, dude, That's I'm going to be honest. I plan none of this shit, bro. Right. I shoot from every fucking thing I do. My guy comes in here and he's like, look, Q, I'm going to be honest with you. I know you hired me for this shit, but I don't fucking know what else you should talk about. And I'm like, all right, turn on the camera. Put me on the spot. Let's go. Right. That's pretty much how it happens, dude. Like ninety percent of the time. That's exactly what uh, I came to your office. Hey, eh? I was like, hey, I'm in San Antonio. You're like, swing by the office. We're at the office. We're chopping it up. And you're like, you want to do a quick video? Yeah. What about? I don't know what you want. And the interesting talk, thing about this, about right? And I follow a lot of these um, big name entrepreneur guys because I've played a lot of the events that they speak at. So I, I end up going and consuming some of their content to see what they do. Most of these guys with big, successful company guys, they all say, we don't know what we're doing either. We're figuring out as we go along. But by taking the action is how these guys are able to do it. Like, again, with like the San Diego thing, I took the action. It was like a California dream, small town kid from St. Louis. I did it. It ran its course. And it's like the people that I met in San Diego were these people from this Texas real estate uh, area. And so, like you said, it's like by taking that action, I realized where I needed to be. And I had no problem packing up my shit in a U-Haul van and moving to friggin' Little Elm, which is apparently in the middle of nowhere in Dallas, but I like it. And it's just, these, these are the steps that it takes. It's the action that gets the engagement. You know what I mean? If you're not doing anything, there's nothing for anybody to watch. The, the yeah. guy that, that uh, me and Pat met through, um, I mean... 
he's he's a good a, a good case study on what happens when you're not he consistent, is. or or when you when you fake it till you make it on the internet. It's poor, totally poor true. Dude, it's uh, sad, but it's is but it's true. I mean, we both love the guy. We both we both. So I paid the man ten thousand dollars. I paid him ten thousand dollars to sponsor his event as like a thank you for for Roughneck to Real Estate because uh, after the first event was whenever I created Roughneck to Real Estate the group. Um, I went to that conference. I made the group so I could continue my journey um, in private and not have sellers bust me. It was an idea that was kind of abstract from what the conference was about, but I only went to the conference to learn how to sell T-shirts. That's what I wanted to do was sell T-shirts on the side. I wanted to side hustle, sell some T-shirts. And uh, Pat Hilton made me a Spotify or Shopify store. What's it called, Pat? I got a Shopify store. The Roughneck to Real Estate store. In fact, if you go to the Roughneck to Real Estate page today and click the blue Shop Now button, you can buy your own gear today. But Pat Pat made that a reality for me. He he set that up. Um, Just in one of these conversations we're having, Pat's like, hey, I think I can do that for you if you want to do it. And we, we set it up in 10 minutes. I think we sold like four shirts. Not many, but it's just like we were having the conversation about YouTube and it's interesting, Quentin, that you were like, dude, we just fucking started doing it. So it's like after this, I got, I got to upload this and figure out what tags to use and go back and tag the other podcasts. And it's going to be a learning experience, but like, you know, that's, I think where my stuff is going. That's where a lot of people's stuff is going. I'm going to start doing Taylor Swift covers and shit on YouTube. Who knows? Somebody might watch me sing, shake it off and think it's fucking hysterical. And I could be, I could be the cool thing for like 28 hours. Hours. And then some what? other somebody will run somebody over in San Antonio. I'll be off the map again. It'll be something else. <laughs> you know, what? man, I, the, the whole YouTube thing that has been fail forward all day. My whole life has been fail forward, bro. Like um, my uh, so I, there's a guy here in San Antonio. He's a big multifamily in, uh, investor, and he always talks about how uh, if you're failing your way to success, you're doing it wrong. He said, that's why a, a mentor is there for you, because you want to learn from your mentor's mistakes, not your own. And it is true. I'll say it's true. But some of the best lessons that I've ever learned were, were the most expensive lessons that I've ever had. Oh, yeah. Learn. And most and they, time consuming. And they grew my fucking character, bro. So, I mean, uh, you know, uh, we've been failing our way through this entire fucking thing. I, I've learned some shit about YouTube that I don't even see people like, uh, let's say, the clever investor Cody guy doing like I, I have analytics I, i've hung out with the propelio guys a bit and the propelio guys have taught me a lot about like you know better engagement i mean look at grant cardone's page right now and then look at what the fuck propelio's page is doing propelio all the way up here grant cardone all the way down here because propelio engages with his audience constantly bringing in new people constantly throwing out content it's never something different and uh Ryan showed me this awesome thing and I'm going to share with you guys. If y'all are going to be ramping up and firing up that YouTube channel, I'd love to help you guys out. Um, but he showed me this thing called TubeBuddy, and TubeBuddy allows me to see the, uh, the analytics of my page. So brother, I'm big. I mean, I learned this shit selling dope, right? Like you have Tube to know buddy. what you got. You got to know what your product is. You got to know what nugget, you're y'all. Golden nuggets on the screen. Everything. I track the analytics in my business. The reason why direct mail marketing works best for me is because I know I've tried every other thing. We've done everything from RBMs, door knocking, driving for dollars, vacant house, high equity, every kind of fucking lead you can think of, brother. I've gone through that shit, right? But 
for me, how I found out that direct mail marketing was what worked for me was by testing the waters, right? So many people want to just like stay on one form of marketing. Like they got one rod in the, in the fucking water and they're trying to reel in whatever lead from that one form of marketing. I'm the asshole on the speedboat with the net that's cashing all the fish in the fucking ocean because I've tested the waters on what works, right? And it's the same thing with, with everything that I've ever gotten into, bro. Dieting, it's like this. Your relationship is like this. Yes, I have to know how many fucking arguments I get in with my wife every day mm-hmm. to, to, that equals the amount of ass whoopings that I get or the amount of poontang that she doesn't give, right? <laughs> so, you know, we're just going to leave the uh, golden nugget up there for a while now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the YouTube stuff, brother, like Ryan showed me too, buddy. And since then, I've been able to dissect what all these other big name companies are doing, like Business Insider, Gary V, Grant Cardone. And all it is, is is it all boils down to SEO, which is search engine optimization. My Facebook works like that. And you've already mastered this. You know what I'm saying? I, I You're like there almost. This may be a little bit different, but you've already been dancing in that pool without maybe even realizing exactly no, what it no, is. That's, we had this exact conversation this morning, me and Pat did. Uh, TubeBuddy was what I was telling him. You know, I was like, Ryan Harper's got this thing and TubeBuddy is it. Um, but, it, you know, Yes, all of all of that is true, but it, you know, for me, it's like, like, I'm, I don't know. This year is going to be a weird year because Emory's going to start school, so we're not going to be able to do seven thousand miles a month in about August. It's going to be wake up, argue for two hours about if we're going to wear shoes or not, and get to school, which is going to shock her system because right now she's riding around the office on a bike, coming up here wanting me to take her training wheels off and want Jacob to put them back on. You know what I mean? And there's no real, she'll have no real rules. I think she, you know, ate a crayon already this morning and then colored on the wall and nobody's even correcting that behavior because, you know, it's, we're on a podcast, but so when she gets to school, it's going to be a challenge, but it's also going to be a challenge for our business because I won't be able to run as hard. You know what I mean? The the same, the same excuses um, that I always say, oh, you're making an excuse. I'm going to have, I'm going to be giving those same excuses out. Well, I can, I got to get Emory at three from school. Sorry. You know? And that, and that comes back to having a scalable business, you know, who's doing the work. If, if you're the only person in the business doing the work, do you even have a business? No, you just got a job, bro. So we, we built that on the, on the hotel side of things. We probably do three to four deals a month, three to five, somewhere in there. Uh, one month we bought 13, but we bought them. We still haven't sold them all. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's, it's probably the same way for your business. I, is, you know, I've been in your office. Rosa, you've got a whole team sitting there working. You partner with some of the better guys in the business down there in San Antonio and Evan and, and, and those guys, or Aaron and uh, what's the other gentleman's name? Got out of prison? Pablo, yeah. So, so you've, got, you've got a good team, a good downline that can cover your bases, even if you're on a podcast right now and can't get to a lead. Um, we have that too. That's why when I see the, the, the people that claim 30 to 50 deals a month and the guy that's out there saying 100, like, bro, I haven't seen your team. You know what I mean? Like, like I can't hide my team. Witherspoon's right there in the mix. You know what I mean? Um, Where's Jason? I want to say what's up. I love well, Jason. He's, he's, he's actually, he's, we're actually going to a house to clean it out at noon. And uh, I'm about an hour late to that right now as it stands because that's how soon I can get there. What about so, that deal like, we were talking about on Propelio, Corey? When are we going to go close old Richard? What's uh? I thought y'all were doing that today. I can with Cody Creamer, but you know I don't want to stop on anybody's toes. That, 
I'm no, the no, new guy, new, new guy in the business, stealing everybody's leads. I'm gonna, leads. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let you in on a secret about that deal. The motherfucker of mobile homes drove by it two months ago and said, "Oh shit, that's ugly as fuck." Oh, it's that bad, huh? Well, but you got to make your offer. There's no, there's nothing wrong with a piece of real estate that the right price won't fix. Maybe right. you can get them to pay you money to take them off your hands. <laughs> <laughs> all right well systems there we go are, like systems are, are super important man like it, people try to over like over uh complicate this shit and, and it's not it's just finding your groove you know what i mean and right. then as life throws these challenges at you so bro i ran my car through a fucking puddle and i'm carless oh, i saw right? that i saw that they told me it's gonna be 6800 bucks to clear to to, to fix my engine and dog, I had to change some bank accounts over because I had my shit set up to the uh, websites that I had a uh, homeboy connected to that stole my equipment. Oh and, my God. Uh, bro, that took my auto pay off of my insurance. So my full coverage wasn't active when the fucking thing went into the water, bro. So guess who has to pay 6800 bucks for a brand new engine cash? Man. I do. So, you know, but the systems, man, like even with all this shit that's happening and all the crazy stuff that's going on, I have insurance, thank God, for my office. You know, my insurance, I have to work on it for my engine. But, you know, uh, don't overcomplicate this. We all go through shit. I know you've got some stuff going on. Pat's got some stuff going on getting situated in the state. I mean, it, it, it's a fucking journey, right? Like step one. You fucking get a bunch of legitimate buyers in a fucking area that buy houses, right? Step two, depending on what market these people are buying in, you start pulling lists of data. Like, how many leads can I find? Step three, fucking export that list to, like, some skip tracing place, like batch skip tracing. Step four, get those phone numbers back and start plowing away using a dialer. You know what I mean? Or drop an RVM. So the best part of this business isn't more or less just the challenges that you go through and how you fail forward, but how you've developed your system as you've progressed as an entrepreneur, man. And you could be selling fucking t-shirts and this shit would still work. You know what I mean? Oh, so, I mean, yeah. Excited for your kid to start, start school. Mine's right behind her, bro. So I understand what you're going through. Quinn. Hey, this will make you, this will make you laugh. So you, you were at the R2R event in San Antonio. We've got one coming up in Grosbeck. Shameless plug, Pat Hilton. There we but go. There we go. Drop, drop a leak of comments. But you, you were there, you, you know, we had, we did the, the two different types of lists. We did the divorce, and the and the um, tired landlord, and of course, you know, you, you had a fourplex that was like, yeah, I was actually thinking about selling that sweet old lady. I don't know if you ever ran that appointment. Doesn't matter. I did, I did meet with the lady, but she was asking three hundred thousand for it, and it, the the rents didn't match up. She had her renters paying seven hundred a month. That's right. So, but but that appointment. So we we dropped that. I don't. I hear you're going through some shit voicemail to show everybody in the class the reaction you get and how you can. Like you'll get a big bunch of callbacks. We got 160 callbacks, you know. I remember because people, people, people were mad. There were seminars that were getting appointments and finding deals, man. So I thought that was super cool, bro. What other? I've never been to a fucking seminar where they do that, bro. Never, not once, dude. Well, we never went back and listened to all the voicemails because we're lazy pieces of shit. And check this out. So yesterday <laughs> in the group, in the group. I'm listening to the voicemails and this lady calls off the off the shit voicemail, off the going through shit voicemail. She called two days in a row, two days in a row and said on the voicemail that we dropped. Yeah, um, I'm calling back. You you had said I was going through some shit and I need to sell my house. I do need to sell my house. And then called back the next day and said, hey, I'm calling because you said you wanted to buy my house. 
So I called the lady back live on live in the group yesterday, and I'm like, live on live. Hey, what's up? And she's like, yeah, my house already sold. And I'm like, fuck. (laughs) All we had to do was two days after the event was go listen to some voicemails, and we dropped that one little thing, but it's the systems and processes in place. And it's like, we we did that marketing to show everybody in the class what was possible. We knew that that it would produce a deal, but we also didn't really think it all the way through and say, you know what, we could have partnered with Q on the deals that it produced if we'd have just gave Q access to the voicemail, literally just made him a system Damn. and put him in play and let him run the lead to sweet Tina Hell or whatever her name was. And we didn't do it. We didn't do it. So it it's it's a learning process, right? It, it's like, okay. At this event that we do in Grosbeck Bat, we might just redo the marketing to San Antonio and let Q run the leads for us because obviously we're too fucking lazy. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I'm I'm probably the laziest entrepreneur you'll ever meet in your life. I don't even know how I got here. But uh, Rosa, uh, man, Rosa, so like she started out working for the company and then she became a business owner. So uh, my business partner, I'm sorry, but she has her own stuff going on right now too. And we were at a point where we were already like, okay, you're going this direction, I'm going this direction. And uh, she was like, you know, I appreciate all the time that I spent with you, Q. I love you. You're awesome. Like, thank you for everything. You know, and uh, it, it goes back to that thing that, that Pat was talking about, where people will stay around for as long as you feel like you're getting the value. Now, um, we're always going to be together, man. Like, I'm telling you, like, even though Rosa has her own thing going on, we're still in the same fucking office. Like, she's right over there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know. So, like, we've agreed that she's still going to work with my company, helping me structure my shit, at the same time building up her commercial real estate business. That's cool. She's commercial and multifamily. I, I dabble in single family, brother, because I, that's my bread and butter. I package houses together, and then I wholesale them off. It's the same stuff I was doing before. It's just not weed. It's houses. So um, Rosa does this thing, man, where on Friday she gabs all the leads that nobody's working on. She puts them into a sheet, and we have our team of eight cold callers plow through all of them with a dialer to set up appointments, and it's called follow-up Fridays, man. And that right there, we, we use leads that I've bought in five years ago, man. And we're still turning deals from those leads because of the follow-up. And so dude, we implement that shit. Follow-up Fridays is now something that Corey should do. <laughs> no, yes, 100%. What, another thing we do um, is we use the same data pin company, My Plus Leads, to, to pin our data because it's fast. And then it gives us the same information over and over again. We built our system to where now we've got probably 60,000 appended records. And every now and then, we'll just compile a new list bust out a new voicemail and drop it to all fucking 60,000 all over again. Mm. Cause it's so, cause it's so cheap to do and then just give it to a third party company to follow up on those, on what the shit show that the 60,000 creates because nice. we don't have the man to do it. But if there's one just low hanging fruit, one piece of low hanging fruit, that entire thing might cost us four grand to do, right? How many deals you got to turn to make that four grand back out of 60,000? You know what I mean? Yeah. Just by just by doing it. So it's something that we do like when when basically about October when when everything's cooling off and we're just like, oh, what can we drum up that cost a bunch of money that we might not make any on because nobody gives a fuck about selling their house in October, it seems like. And, and then everybody it's like everybody wants to spend their last Christmas and Thanksgiving in their house. I don't knock them. It's just a harder negotiation. I don't know if that's been your experience, but. In- it, it is. I mean, holidays, everything starts slowing down a bit. So it's good to stack now. Right now, between t- like for the next five months, 
is grind time because we got to stack whatever we That's can it. stack because once them holidays hits, man, I'm telling you, December is a big year for me because uh, I've never had in my family the way it always was was it was only the kids that got that that got presents. After you grew up to 13, you weren't getting gifts anymore because my family is the most rich family, right? So these past three years, I've completely changed that, bro. I make sure that I get everybody a fucking gift. And I'll even go as far as buying gifts that are from me, but I put my sister and my brother's name on it so that everybody gets something. I'm breaking this tradition in my family. You know what I'm saying? And well, and I'm, it, I want to carry that out into the community. Like me, I want, like, because I live in a small town. And, you know, the other day somebody walks up to me. I'm at, I'm at a little league game. Emery's playing with her friends. Somebody walks up and is like, hey, I, you know, I've been seeing what you got going on Facebook. Do you think you could help me raise money? We made the Little League World Series. You know what I mean? Um, we got to raise like $4,000 to do this. And I'm like, well, I'll put 1000 on it right now. And then we'll, we'll just help you raise the rest in whatever way we can, whether wh- whatever it is. And so it's kind of cool to be able to, to offer that back. You know, I, I know, you know, for you, it starts family first. I don't have that big of a family. So it's like, all right, you know. I, I want to help my community because Grosbeck's a small town. I just, you know, it's like hiring people from here, um, being able to, we're, we're about to hire two full-time. Uh, I, I want to hire two full-time make ready guys. Cause just looking at the numbers, we're paying $1,500 to make a unit ready. That's paint and ceiling fans and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's good. Now nah, two days worth of labor is, you know, 400 bucks. The materials are another 400 bucks. We could get it down to 800 and we have enough volume now that we can keep them going full time and cut our cost in half just by bringing in two full time guys and pay them to do all the. I pay the a buck for, for material and a buck for labor on my rehabs. So, you know, if I buy a thousand dollars worth of material, it's going to be about a G for them to install and paint. Same, and way. Same way. And, and but if you but if you take it in house and pay two guys, you know, around here, we can pay them uh, 10, 12 dollars an hour and they'll be really happy. Um, so, I mean, it's like. You know, and then and then put them. We got we got all the equipment already. We got the paint sprayers. We got the tools. Um, we're buying a trailer uh, to put it all in, to where they can go from job to job, um, and we can get that cost cut in half. It makes sense for us to bring them on full time now, just looking at the numbers on what we spend, because the big items that we we can't hire in house, like air conditioners, are always going to cost us twenty five hundred bucks. You know what I mean? I I can hire an in house AC guy, but I'm going to have to pay the guy sixty thousand a year, and we're not there yet. So, yeah. you, you know, what what we'll do at the end of this year is we'll look and see what we spent on ACs and w- then we'll probably decide um, the cost savings. Because if we're paying thirty five hundred dollars or twenty five hundred dollars right now is normally what we pay between there. Um, if we can get that down to fifteen hundred um, by hiring an in-house guy, then obviously it makes sense if we have if we replaced X number of volume. But it's I mean, it's like what you said. You can learn from your mentors mistakes. Right. Um, or you can learn as the AC bill comes in, you know, sitting here with DJ the other day, making a decision between a $3,600 brand new unit and putting $1,600 worth of work into the old one. Our cash position said $1,600. Yes, That's sir. just how the cookie crumbled. So, you know, if we had the in vacancies, uh, uh, filled, we might've put the brand new unit in with the 10 year warranty, but we couldn't make that decision with our cash position at, as it is right now, because we don't know what tomorrow holds from five more broken ACs. I love it, bro. Honestly, like just being able to even see shit like that. Think about where you were at like five years ago or 10 years ago, even on a rig 
none of this was even like in the picture. I bet, you know, I didn't think that I would come this far. I'm telling you, like, as soon as I I got out of all of that shit that I got into, uh, it was like 2013, 2014, I made the full-time leap into real estate. And at the time, I was still kind of slanging pot on the side to get by. And uh, just to see how much, you know, I've been following you since 2016, bro. To see how much you and I have grown over the years, I mean, it's insane, man. It's been ins- it's been insane, and we're just taking the advice that we can and failing forward, bro. I think this has been the best way for me to ever fucking learn, man. That fake it till you make it shit. It's not it's not what's popping. What people want to follow is the journey. You know what I mean? I saw that video that you posted, which was one of the first lives that you ever did, where you were like, you had uh, this giant bulldozer thing on on the yard, and you were kind of just like, I could tell you didn't have confidence in front of the camera yet. And, uh, you know, I could just tell, like, your kid, too. I think she was just, like, a little, like, maybe, like, a year old or something. Mm-hmm. And that was crazy, man. It was just crazy. Like, and I did, that inspired me to post one, too. And I posted a live video I did in 2015 of me walking a house, and I had no idea what to fucking say, man. And nowadays, you know, you put me on the spot, bro. I'm, I'm ready. Let's go, man. I was built for this shit because we took that time to, to harness our failure and, and, and really, like, traject that shit to something positive which is our building our brand building our our relationships establishing those uh those relationships so that we can all excel together you know so i mean uh, i i love what the roughneck real estate event i mean not just the event but also what the group and the brand in in its entirety is doing man it's been insane it's inspired what the ground zero stuff was so and and still is and what it's becoming and see and, and 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 to play off of that the ground zero stuff has inspired me to get better at content. You know what I mean? It's like you took what what every you saw and made it really fucking good. And it's not us competing against each other. It's more like a collaboration. Because then I'm looking, I'm like, I'm, I look at your content. And I'm like, man, I like the shit. Well, out this of is possible. Oh. That's why it's like we wanted to ask you about the YouTube shit. Well, it's like, well, he's doing really well in this area. We want to make sure that like we can help him in that area too. Like we're, you know what I mean? We all want to help push each other to the next level. Like when I asked Ryan, what do you use to stream on multiple platforms? Like he sent me the link right away. That's the software I'm using, uh, not just for this broadcast, but to restream what we're doing. So we're on YouTube and Twitter and Periscope and like 17, some Japanese shit. I can't even pronounce. We're live on that shit right now. (laughs) You bet your ass we're live on that shit. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, you know, like going back into that, bro, brand association is so powerful. So the more like that's why it was so important for me to put you on the ground zero stage, man. I was like, all right, fucking Corey Thompson's got to be at this thing. If there's anybody I respected that has played some sort of role in the journey that I've been able to get, like where I'm at now. And man, I, I have to get this fucking guy on here. And you met some people that have been following you that were in San Antonio that wanted to pick your brain, wanted to do like a live walkthrough. As we speak right now, you know, I pinned this post to my group. So everybody that is following my brand is now going to know who you are and vice versa. If I'm in the Roughneck group, people are going to know who I am that have never even fucked with me before. And that's the glory of all of this shit, too. Like, especially with the content and whatnot, what Pat's been able to do. And hey, I didn't even know we were on multiple devices, bro. That's oh, scary. we're everywhere. I'm, I'm, I'm in Japan. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, something called like Akaime Live or something. <laughs> It's, it's all a blessing, man. And I, I you know, I want to do more of these. These are super fun, bro. This is probably one of the funnest podcasts I've been on. I love talking about drugs and shit. I learned more <laughs> about how to sell drugs today than I did about like <laughs> business. <laughs> but I, hey, it really, I just want to chop it up. You know I mean? It, it's like, 
we know each other, but we get to know each other a little more every time. Your event, the, the Wholesaling Houses Ground Zero event, I don't know when your next one is, but I can't wait for it because when is it? October. October. Oh, let's it's go. Not, I'll play. I'll plug the guitar in for Corey's intro this time. I was going to ask you, too, and we'll do this live on a live, and I'll provide live value. Yep, yep. One of the speakers at my new my next event, and this one's going to be different. This one's going to be a paid gig, and it's a two-day seminar. I'll pay for your traveling expenses in your hotel if you'll come down here and let me have you on the stage. Dude, I love it. I as love long it. as there's two beds in the room, I'll I'll just shack up with Corey that weekend. Yes. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> the coolest thing about your event was it was one of the more better produced events I've ever, ever been to. You know what I mean? That picture, I don't know. I think Kelly Smith took Kelly it, Smith took that picture, yeah. Head, with yeah. my name in the background. It's dope. I mean, it gave me chills when I seen it. I was like, holy shit. Because when you asked me to come, I was like, oh, you know. There'll be a few people there. There was a thousand people in the room. The, the upper balcony was full. I was like, there's nobody in the lobby. Normally everybody's in the lobby drinking. Everybody's in here to hear everybody talk. It was the one of the coolest events ever been to, bar none. Bro, everybody has literally requested you again, man. I'm telling you, like, I keep tabs of everything that I do, right? Like, so KPIs is important, especially throughout your entire business. And I track what people want to see. And I did some post on, on IG story. I was like, who do you want to see speaking at my next event? And yours had almost like a solid 36 votes on it, man. And, uh, you know, I put Corey, I put RJ, I put uh, Carlos Reyes. He doesn't even know I'm going to reach out to him, see if he wants to speak at the event. So, yeah, I'm really excited, man, because, you know, uh, it's been it's been a journey. And doing these events is, is huge for me. This next one's going to be way different, brother. This is going to be like a full-blown real estate experience. Nice. I'm putting San Antonio on the fucking map, dude. And I'm going to make sure that everybody, like, knows like this this place is some place that is super special man for a team that has never like not gone to the playoffs over 20 years like the spurs you know what i mean the battle of the alamo they portray like it was something amazing yes we got slaughtered but we fucking came back and won that 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 like that yep. that part of texas back from mexico i mean it's been it's been super insane journey man and i just know that there's so much more to grow here and uh you know i just i, I go into that direction every single day man I, i'd be super happy to have you again well, I, dude, I love the town. Like, last time we were there, I went, I bought a fishing pole from a homeless man. Dude, on the it river is walk. a beautiful area. That little river walk area is really, really cool. You know, it is. Funny, Steve O jumped into that river, Steve O from Jackass. Oh, no. It's only three feet deep. <laughs> dude, that's so funny because I toured with, with Bam Margera, Steve O, Johnny Knoxville way back in the day, and freaking those guys tased my balls every single day. <laughs> so, yeah. They, you know, nice you know, guys, but you, fuck those guys, man. <laughs> do you know how YouTube famous they would have been if they would have arrived 10 years later? Oh, my God. Dude, it's insane, man. It's insane. Uh, I see people doing that stuff on YouTube. My buddy... Uh, I had a friend. His name's Benjamin. He was YouTube famous. And Benjamin, he got, uh, he was a, it was a truck. It was a truck accident. He got crushed somehow, man. Uh, Good friend of mine. He was like a brother of mine. And he was one of the big inspirations for me to start up a YouTube channel too. And you can look him up on YouTube right now if you want to. Is Wicked J, bro. Benjamin Garza. He was a backyard wrestler, dude. Nice. And uh, they, they they were backyard wrestling in, in Somerset, Texas, bro. And Somerset's a small town, kind of uh, like Rosebeck. Where it's uh, you know one small community, everybody knows each other, 
And one of the shows that everybody threw in there was, uh, it was called ESW extreme show wrestling. And, um, man, it, it was just amazing. But all they would do is fuck each other up like jackass style. I'm talking like throw a bunch <laughs> of on the floor and then body slam someone on dirt. And oh like, my God. My buddy Benjamin yeah. would put on his glove and light it on fire and deck him in the face, like deck his guy in the face with it. And then homeboy would have like fire going off of his face and shit. And dude, I mean, it's insane. It's insane, man. So, you know, it, I love it, brother. Like uh, just the energy and the vibes. And anytime I'm like on a podcast with you guys, it, it's awesome. This conversation went like a million different ways. Right. <laughs> you know I mean, look, anybody that, that, that hangs out with us is going to learn something. I don't, I don't know what it is. It you know might not I mean? be like, real estate, but you're going to learn something. <laughs> right. <laughs> guys, I have to get going. I have do an thing. right now. Us too. But I appreciate it, Quentin. Um, they can catch you at the All In event. Where can people follow you at? Um, plug your plug your Instagram, plug your, plug your YouTube, all that. Of course, man. Of course, guys. You can follow me at Quentin Flores on YouTube. You can go for it and at me at the real estate underscore monster on Instagram. And then follow me on Facebook at Quentin Flores, guys. Subscribe to my website. This is groundzero.com. So super excited to see everybody here at the All In event. If you're watching this from AZ, uh, super excited to be hosting the next Ground Zero event. Uh, it's going to be here in San Antonio. It's going to be at a hotel. So people are going to fly in from all over, man. This is going to be a national thing. That's amazing. So got it. Drop the drop the link uh, in the in the comments, Pat, for the for the group for the wholesaling houses ground zero group. I will. Uh, Quentin loved it. Pat, Thanks, we gotta guys. go. We'll holler at you. We'll see you guys soon. Right. Thanks. Right. Take care.